Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To contact us, call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Now here's Joel Van Hoogen. The way into a deep love for God that opens up to you the most significant relationship you will ever have is to know God's forgiveness of your sins. And listen, the more you feel yourself forgiven, the more you're going to love him. The story of the woman called the sinful woman in Luke chapter 7, who lovingly washed Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, is the story of love born out of being forgiven. What is the secret to entering into a deep, loving relationship with God? Love. That's it. Loving Him. Love leads you into a deep, growing knowing of God. What's the motivating force for that kind of love? Where does that love rise up for God? It rises from finding yourself awash in His free forgiveness. I was thinking about this when I was writing the message. I was trying, well, let me think of some other examples of a person who was just a wretched sinner who was wonderfully saved, and then the rest of his life is a life of this loving adoration and service to God. And then I thought to myself, why should any of us look for any other illustration for that than ourselves? If you think, well, this won't make sense to me unless you can show me a really terrible sinner who goes on loving God, and then I'll understand what you're talking about, means you don't know yourself. You don't understand what happened to you. So that brings me to my third point here. What causes this great love? A great forgiveness. So, if you want to love much, you got to be forgiven much. You want to love much? You want to love God a lot? You got to be forgiven a lot. You got to feel the greatness of your sin and the greatness of your debt that was forgiven or is to be forgiven. Which one of them will love me more, Simon? Well, I suppose the one who's been forgiven the more. Well, there's a secret then. Simon, you need to consider yourself forgiven the more. Usually when we become aware of some wrong thing that we've done on our part, our next thought process is to find a comparison of something or someone else that's done something worse. It's not that bad. I mean, it's bad, but I mean, you know, they're other, you know, you know what other people are doing. And at least I didn't. You know, I could have been worse, but I, I, I didn't do that, and... You should be thankful that I didn't do this instead. Do you know what they did to me? They started it. There's your process. Let me just suggest to you, if you follow that process in your Christian life, there's no great forgiveness to be realized from that kind of attitude, and as a result, there's no great love to ever flow from your life out of that attitude. None. It's better to find yourself at fault and to find yourself alone at fault It's better for you to go alone before the Lord Jesus and do what the tax collector did. You remember it? He beat his chest. And he said, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. That's what he said. That's what it says. Our translation says, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's not what it says. It says, be merciful to me, the sinner. Then you'll find great joy and you'll find great peace and you'll find great love rising from your life. Here, let me give you a healthy competition for your life. For you to cultivate as a spring for a greater love for God. Let's use Paul as an example. Paul jumped into this competition. You'll read it in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Paul says this. 
This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the chief. I'm the chief sinner. Now, you don't really know this, but actually, Peter heard what Paul had said. Paul said it because he said, you know, I persecuted the church. I forced people to blaspheme. I threw people into prison. I put others to death. I gave consent to the death of righteous men. I'm the worst of all. I was the worst sinner. Peter heard about this from Paul, and he said, hey, wait a second. Paul has this wrong. Paul's wrong. I'm the worst sinner. Do you know what I did? I tried to convince Jesus not to go to the cross. The very agency through which all men are saved, I told him not to do it. And then in a boast, I told him that if anyone else would deny him, I would never deny him. And the night before he went and died on that cross, I denied that I even knew him three times. I'm the worst sinner. John heard about Paul and Peter's boast, and John said, you know what, both of these guys have it wrong. Do you know what I did? You know, Jesus commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but as he was exhibiting his heart for the lost world around us, we passed through a Samaritan village. And I asked Jesus permission from him that he would give me the power to call down fire to destroy all those people in that village. The very people he loved and came to die. I wanted to see them all burned up to a crisp. And not only that, when the Lord Jesus was telling us that he was going to go to the cross and that he was going to die and he was going to suffer, the only thing in my mind was to go and ask him if I could be at his right hand when he became the king of all the world. I just wanted power and influence. <laughs> and I don't know what Paul thinks. I don't know what Peter thinks, but I'm, I'm the chief sinner. Both of them were basically saying to the woman now that's weeping at the Lord Jesus' feet, hey, just move down the line a little bit. I know you feel like you've been forgiven a lot, but we've been forgiven more. That's a good competition to be in. One day you're going to come before the Lord Jesus if you've received him as your Savior. One day you're going to come before his throne and you're going to gather together with all those who've been washed in his blood. And before his throne you're going to bow in adoration and praise and worship. Is there anyone who might come alongside you at that moment who you would think for a moment, who let them in here? Wait, how did she get in this place? Who is it that you may be revolted to see beside you there at that time? Do you know what kind of havoc this guy reaped in my life? Do you know the terrible things he did in his country or his nation? Or... All are going to come the exact same way. Only those who have been forgiven much are going to be in that place. Ourselves included. I'm not suggesting that you write a book about your life and that you spend 20 chapters chronicling salaciously all the terrible crimes and sins that you've committed in great detail and then get to the 21st chapter and saying, I heard the gospel, I believed in Jesus, we're all done, right? I'm not asking you to stew in your sin and revel in it and actually kind of exalt in it, but I would like you for a moment to boast in the blackness of the sins that you've been forgiven to boast and revel in the greatness of the forgiveness that you received, the greatness of your forgiver, to feel yourself as the greatest of debtors before the Savior and before the cross, bearing the weight of an eternal offense for your sins against a holy and loving God. Feel yourself often as once having been a rebel and a smugly self-satisfied hater of God and men. 
filled with malice and bitterness. Feel yourself at once one who under a debt that was impossible to pay, even if you should have accumulated all of the good deeds of every human who had ever lived upon the earth, none of it could wash away those sins. And know that these sins were at once freely forgiven and the debt utterly and totally removed and taken away at the price of the full shed blood of Jesus Christ in your place. Just in your place. Do you understand something? It took all of the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive your sins. Not some of it. Not a portion of it. All of his life, all of his sacrifice, all his blood to forgive you and forgive me. So great and so profound is the debt of our sin. Now let him ask you, how much do you love me? Do you love me to excess? Do you love me beyond all decorum? If you cannot say that you do, may I ask you, really, what is the extent of the sins you think I've forgiven you of? How great do you consider the debt that you held against me? The person in danger of missing God's great salvation is the one who thinks it requires something less great to save them than anyone else. Don't ever think that you're not a candidate for all the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You have no sin too great for Him to forgive, and you have no sin too little to keep Jesus Christ from having to give all of it just to forgive you. Do you accept that? Do you accept that as true? Do you understand that? That understanding, meditating on it, receiving it, holding you to heart, fans and fuels, believing it, fans and fuels, love, great love. Now, if you know that to be true, the next question to ask yourself is, how is my life proving that love? That love born out of a great forgiveness. What activities might I point to in my life that say that I excessively love him? Let's pray. We might sing more love to thee, dear Christ, more love to thee. This is the prayer we make on bended knee. We might say, oh God, may that love be proved in something more than sentimental moments. May it be proved in a life that lives out the marathon of excessive service to you. Lord Jesus, where we have grown cold in our love, show us and reveal to us. Reveal to us where we have taken our eyes off of ourselves and we've put them upon others and we've laid down our judgments upon them. This woman, that person, this society, this world, this age. And all of those judgments, all of that supposed discernment we have causes us to fail to discern us. Somehow it keeps us away from the central declaration of the Christian life God, be merciful to me, the sinner. 
Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. That, that truth burn into our hearts until we cannot help but love you. Until we can say, how can we help but love him when he's loved me so? God put it upon our hearts, the spirit of indignation in a day of mediocrity to say, oh God, let me see where men are withholding their honor and reverence and service to you and there, oh God, may I find myself true. Weeping at your feet, kissing them and anointing them, loving you. Lord Jesus, this life of justifying ourselves is destroying our capacity to love. This life of comparing ourselves to the next person and finding ourselves better is shrinking our hearts down to nothing. Before you, we see our sins. Before you, we see our pride. Before you, we see our debt. And then from you, we see that great tide of unending forgiveness that shall sweep us forward into an everlasting heaven, washing and cleansing us. And oh, the love. Oh, the love. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this message, call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time together, may the Lord bless you.